0: What is up, Bills Mafia? special Friday night edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. We're going to bring you observations from out at practice today. The sun was shining 85 degrees in Orchard Park. A beautiful, beautiful day to watch the rookie class get after it. And a few non-rookies that we'll talk about as well. Uh, He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino setting up the show for you. It's going to be quick. To the point, if you have any specific things you want us to talk about, schedule-related or mini camp related drop it in the uh, comment section. And, Michelle, don't worry. I will not forget your question. We will get to it. Uh, we're excited to get after it. What's up, Brian?
1: Hey, not too much. Like you said, excited to get after it. Uh, if you haven't, Bill's Mafia, Matt, put up some observations on NYUP and Syracuse.com based on today's rookie mini camp. We'll be discussing it. But after the show's over, head over and get the full details there.
0: So uh, let's s- s- set the scene a little bit here. So we get out to rookie minicamp today, uh, and uh, there's three veterans. I'll-, I'll call them veterans because they've, they were on the Bills practice squad last year. Uh, Quinton Morris, uh, Elijah Griffin, and Jacob Capra, offensive lineman. Uh, it-, it was a training camp practice, a very early training camp practice. So they weren't going full blast. The pads weren't on. It was very, you know, you got to take everything that we talk about with a grain of salt, right? So we're just looking for little, you know, cues from what happened. And we're going to get into some of the performances that I thought were noteworthy and we'll talk a little bit about them. But I want to start with something that Shakir said that really stood out to me, you know, coming from Boise state, obviously To the NFL is going to be its own jumping competition, but also you don't even think about this, Ryan, sometimes what these guys are getting in the coaching room. And Chad Hall is a guy that look at the guys that he's coached, you know, in this organization since he's been here. Obviously, Stefan Diggs, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, all pro Cole Beasley. You know, John Brown was here a few years ago. They've gotten a lot of good things out of some, some players, developed some players that, you know, came here with zero expectation and have developed into, you know, pretty nice roles. I mean, the great Gabriel Davis, a guy in the fourth round who's had the career that he's had. So I, I asked Shakir about that today, and he's like he was blown away on day one out on the field. Just the little details about what Chad Hall offers in terms of making them better in terms of their game and so just how you swing your arms or lack thereof like coming in and out of your breaks was something that he had never thought about before had never been coached up on that specific tendency before and so he's like at Boise State, I was just always focused on playing fast, playing fast, playing fast. But you got to play fast, but there's nuance. You know, the technical details of the position are so important. These guys are getting that from all these position coaches on day one. And, oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw it, Ryan. I put out a video of Balon Spector and Terrell Bernard uh, practicing with their new linebackers coach, Bobby Babbage. Bobby Babbage is an intense gentleman, even at, uh, you know, rookie minicamp.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned it. This this team has some great coaches. I I've gone to great lengths to talk about the secondary coach, but uh wide receiver coach Chad Hall, you, you nailed it. Uh Hall has gotten the best out of these wide receivers that uh, the Bills have had under his tenure, you mentioned John Brown being here, having a great season, Cole Beasley, an all-pro year. Obviously, Diggs, Gabriel Davis, uh, a guy like Shakir is going to benefit from that. Babich is going to help out these young linebackers, and the list goes on and on. It's just exciting to see you know, the attention to detail that's already being put into place this early on in their tenure as Buffalo Bills.
0: Nothing from Matt Ariza today. So I know that's you know there's probably going to be some questions about the punt god. He did not uh, put any on display today uh, that we saw. Maybe he was working off to the side. Maybe he worked before practice, after practice. Sean McDermott joked before practice today that maybe they'll get a hot air balloon out there so they get some people to to return uh, kicks for him. Uh, Obviously, you know he's got a booming leg, uh, but no, he wasn't out there. Um, Let's kind of run through some of the players, obviously the three big names, Shakir, Kyer Elam, and James Cook, who, you know, we'll start with Cook. I put out a video because as we were coming off from practice, it was it was super sunny out. So, like, when you're when I'm tweeting those videos out, we're still out there, it's hard to kind of see. I was going through my reel or different parts of the field, so sometimes it's hard to see. I put out a video of him, an individual, just to put out a video of James Cook because I thought, you know, fans would want to see that. Well, he dropped the – the past. And so everybody was like, I think our, our, our buddy, brother Bill said, delete this man, (laughs) which I got a kick out of, but no, I was just kind of putting it out there. Well, When I got back to, you know, a better light situation, I found one of James cook where he actually caught the ball an individual, but let's fast forward to team drills because that's where I feel like he really shined. I mean, his explosiveness, Ryan, like again, perspective, he's on the field with a bunch of undrafted guys. I mean, that's the majority of the guys that are out there. After a while, you see so many of these practices. Like Raheem uh, Blackshear, he's got some pop too. Like, I mean, I thought he had a couple nice runs today, but it just doesn't look like what it looks like with James Cook. Like everything that we've been hearing about what James Cook could potentially do with his speed on the field, I don't care about 40 times or combines or anything like that. You see football speed with this guy. And I think that's something that Brandon Bean was talking about. There was one play in particular where, Great vision, one cut, l- ran it to the left side. And usually, the, you know, running backs kind of clank around in there and end up, you know, the play die- dies. I mean, it looked like Specter and Bernard were a lining over towards him and it didn't matter. He just one cut, soared through the line and he was off to the races. And before he knew it, he was gone.
1: Yeah, you know, the word smooth comes to mind when I was watching some of his highlights at Georgia. Uh, and I get he has that explosiveness and that burst, but he just makes it look so easy, Matt. And it, you know, you mentioned it. That he's going against some other rookies, some undrafted guys. So you're hoping someone that you drafted in, in round two is going to have those shining moments on, on the first day of rookie minicamp. And he did. So uh, I, I'm really interested to see what he can do. Like, like we said, he's going to have a role as a rookie, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, but I also think he's going to have his fair share of carries as well. I, I know he's a little undersized. Um, you probably want to add another 10, 15 pounds to his frame muscle-wise over, over the course of his first season. But really excited to see what he can bring to this offense in terms of adding another dimension to an already potentially dangerous, scary offense
0: premier matchup of the afternoon was Kyrie Elam when he was matched up with Khalil Shakir. It only happened a couple times, but it was must-see TV every single time that it came about. And there was one play in particular, there weren't a lot. I, I think there was maybe two or three times where they got lined up uh, uh, against one another. And Elam had a couple really good reps. And, and I'll talk about those in a moment, but let's first focus in on the one rep that Elam just absolutely won. I mean, you just saw blanket coverage from the moment the ball was snapped. Uh, Braylon Smith is a, a tryout quarterback. He went to Central Arkansas. He decided to leave school early. The idea was he wanted to try to get drafted. He went undrafted, and so now he has an opportunity here to try to earn an invite to training camp, which you know will get him a chance. Which I think the Bills are going to need it. Like you want to, you, you want a fourth quarterback. They don't have that on the roster right now. So what he does over the next. Couple weeks as we move over to OTAs and then mandatory minicam could earn him a, a chance at uh, a summer role uh, with the Bills. And I like what I saw today. You know, he moves around pretty well. He had a couple nice throws on this play in particular, though, he's rolling out to his right. Elam just had Shakir locked down and Shakir is super shifty. He's super fast. It didn't matter. Like Elam's so fluid in, in his back pedal, in the way that he transitions, you know, uh, I, I know that the, the, th- the fun thing to talk about with corners is, you know, how they move and uh, especially like their hit, the fluidity of their hips. And I just feel like Elam is so shifty himself that he's able to kind of like mirror and he mirrored the route almost completely. And so at that point, Smith was like he had not nowhere to go. I mean, if he would have thrown the ball, Elam was right on him. It was going to probably be intercepted, and so he ended up having to just scramble with the ball. But man, you could just see the talent from Kyir Elam on that play.
1: And listen, I mean, if there is a premier matchup at, at rookie training, uh rookie mini camp, that's it. It's Kyir Elam. It's Khalil Shakir, Uh, and it's it's good to see Elam is already. I don't want to say living up to expectations. It's it's rookie minicamp, but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. The bills liked him for a lot of reasons, the speed, the athleticism, the size, the way that he plays the ball. And you saw glimpses of that already, Matt. Um, The the only thing that didn't check the box for him in terms of being the perfect Sean McDermott, Brandon bean player is his tackling is a little bit spotty. And and he even acknowledged that uh, when he met with the bills, at the combine. So, There's a lot in his skill set that is perfect for this team. And he got off to a great start today. Anything else that you saw in Elam's game that kind of stood out immediately?
0: Individual work. I I noticed that him and John Butler were, um, you know, really like focusing on the details. Like, and and I think that that's going to be like we mentioned with Chad Hall. That's just going to be what's happening over the next couple of weeks with these younger players anyway. But I think like there's something to them getting in, in the building and kind of getting used to going through the drills. Like everything's been so hyper-focused and Sean McDermott talked about that this morning on like the drills and running the 40 and the three cone and all these different things. Now you got to transition to like football drills and doing those to the best of your ability. So I think some of that will be maybe a little bit more of a, you know, slower grind, but when he's just out there playing football, like, I'm excited to see what it looks like against Gabriel Davis and mm-hmm. uh, Stephon Diggs even, maybe, uh, especially with Trey White potentially not being ready to go at the start. You know, Shakir had one play where it was kind of like he's running over the middle and immediate separation off the line of the scrim- line of scrimmage, and you're, you're just like, you immediately put the defense, the secondary, in a bind when you get that kind of separation from the jump, and Smith could kind of feel... Really comfortable and, and take his time through the read, let him kind of get into the kind of open area that he wants. And that's what he did. As soon as he saw him hit that pocket, he literally fired a bullet over the middle. Shakir was, you know, had plenty of room to make the catch, which he did, turned up field. It probably would have been a big uh, gain and uh, potential yards after the catch uh, potential in a real game. So Shakir himself had a couple really good uh, reps himself. And you saw his speed and his quickness and all the stuff like that when they were working an individual.
1: Yeah. You know, I did a spot recently and I said, if you're in a dynasty league, Khalil Shakir is someone to keep an eye on this year. If you can get him in, in those, if it's a rookie draft round two, round three frame, because I think he's going to be a factor sooner rather than later. We've talked about Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie being guys who are going to get their fair share of reps uh, in the slot. But, Shakir can create that separation Uh, he can get the yards after catch and those are the two things that they're trying to get this year Uh, obviously Cole Beasley was always very good at getting the separation Isaiah McKenzie and man defense really good at getting the separation Shakir is built in that same frame he has that yard after catch dimension that obviously Jameson Crowder does too that's why they brought in Crowder Um, but I'm interested to see how he develops as well you know you were just talking about Elam getting tested here as, as the summer goes on against the likes of Gabriel Davis and uh, Stefan Diggs and I also want to see you know Shakir get tested over the summer against Taron Johnson Uh, and and if they put him on the outside too against some of these outside cornerbacks including potentially Elam and and Dane Jackson it's going to be really interesting to see because now these are the reps where they're supposed to be dominant going against other rookies as the summer goes on can they keep it up against those established vets
0: It's a good question over on YouTube. How much of what Cole Beasley did can Khalil Shakir do? It's a really interesting question, Ryan, because in in one sense, I almost think that if you're the Bills, you would have loved to have had, you know, a year uh, for Shakir to maybe learn from Cole, right? Like kind of fit into that Isaiah McKenzie role and, you know, just kind of take notes for the year. But maybe Isaiah McKenzie could kind of pass along some of that uh, knowledge to Shakir, but I see him fitting a lot of those similar things, especially with how great he is in a phone booth, which I think to be effective in the slot in the NFL at that size, you have to be super, you have to have super quicks. And it seems like he has that. We'll see once we start seeing it in like game action and uh, more, more so that in, in that uh, realm.
1: Yeah, and it's tough to project in terms of what Cole did versus what Shakir uh, can do. I think Shakir has a very high ceiling, but Beasley wasn't all pro here. He was someone that was very good even before Buffalo when he was uh, in Dallas, so you hope that Shakir can do a lot of those things. I think he adds a little bit more of that yard after catch element where, you know, Beasley, he was very smart. He protected himself a lot here in Buffalo where he made the catch. He got the yards he needed and then he got down. And when, you know, you're trying to play in this league for 10, 12 years, that's the smart way of doing it. You want to protect your body. Uh, I think Shakir though, can make those big plays. Like you mentioned, he he would have had today. Had that been a a real live game action, he probably would have had some uh, significant yards after the catch.
0: One person I want to talk a little bit about to a couple more people, but let's get to Christian Benford because he's super interesting. uh, What the bills are going to kind of do with him. You won't really be able to have a good idea of what that is until training camp, because we can't really talk about it right now. I can't really tell you where he lined up today and kind of everything that he did, but I can tell you about a few reps and man, he likes to play physical. Like he's not afraid even without pads on out there to mix it up a little bit, which I think you, you like to see. There was one play in particular where he was going up against, um, and I wanted to call him out specifically, but I got to bring up the story to make sure that I try to say his name right. Neil Pauu, if I'm saying it correctly, it's, it's Neil and then it's P-A-U apostrophe U. I really liked his physical nature. He had one matchup Mm -hmm. today where he went one-on-one with Benford, and Benford was kind of up in people's faces all day. He met the physicality. They had a 50-50 ball, and uh, Pau uh, won at the catch point and took the ball away and would have been upfield and and running after the catch. I, I thought, for me, of the unnamed receivers after Shakir, Pau was the guy that really stood out to me today.
1: Well, oh, that's really interesting. You, you know, Benford himself, though, I, I like that there's a video of as the practice ended or after it was over, the last two players on the field were Benford and Kyrie Elam, you know, getting in the, the running, getting in the conversations about maybe what each of them saw, working off one and another. Uh, you have a high first round pick and then you have a day three pick. It, it's still nice to see them kind of meshing together, taking their own notes of what they probably saw in practice and already trying to figure out how to get better. Those are, those are encouraging signs. Uh, I saw some, you know, someone mentioned Benford, I think earlier in the comments in terms of what he can do. You know, I think the bills, they've already said they want to try him out at corner first. He has the ability to play safety. Uh, So he's a versatile piece. And and I think that's going to work to his advantage here over the course of the summer as they approach that 53 man roster.
0: Again, I don't want to blow this up too much Mm -hmm. because Elijah, Griffin, um, he should have a good day out at practice with a bunch of rookies, right? He was a UDFA last year, undrafted free agent, comes in, ends up, uh, you know, making the Bills practice squad where he spent uh, all of last season kind of just, you know, learning and working. And he came out here today, though, and, and I was really impressed with what I saw. He he commanded the field when he was on it and he was all over the place. Uh, He's flying around, making plays. He had probably the play of practice where he had great coverage. Uh, I think it was against uh, Malik Williams. And at the last moment, Malik Williams got a bit of separation and Smith saw it for a split moment. And obviously the arm strength wasn't there to zip it in there past uh, Elijah Griffin. But the sprint, the immediate recognition of the moment and getting, you know, hitting that next gear, getting in there and pass breakup. He probably could have had an interception if he would have reacted just a little bit quicker, but just great instincts. He looks so comfortable. He looks, he looks like he's been in that backfield for three or four years already. Like on this team, like reminding me a lot of Dean Marlowe out there. Obviously Dean Marlowe played a little bit more safety, but just in terms of you, you just look out there and all every year, year after year, Dean Marlowe was out of practice making plays. And that was Elijah Griffin today. And we'll see if that continues as the practices kind of involve the veterans here in a couple of weeks
1: yeah and we mentioned that on our show on wednesday matt you know there's some cornerbacks here who have a year in the system now elijah griffin is one nick mcleod's another how are they going to react to that knowledge of the playbook uh playing under this coaching staff, knowing knowing the ins and outs a little bit more than these younger players, and will it pay off to their advantage in rookie minicamp? Yes, it did. Matt, we've had a lot of comments here in the question, so I'm going to throw it over to you. Any UDFAs that flashed today? You did mention Raheem Blackshear. Um, you could talk about him a little bit or anyone else that you saw that really popped to you today.
0: I'll go with Jalen Weidemeyer just because, like again, there wasn't a specific play that he made, but just in the... You know, seeing him operate at the size that he has, I've, I've been impressed with Quentin Morris since he's you know been in Buffalo. Like when they signed him as a UDFA, I think each phase that we talked about him at rookie minicamp last year, if I rem- if I recall correctly, having a big day where somebody like, OK, he's going to you're going to want him on your radar. That's the feeling I got out of, out of Woodmeyer today, which I which I think puts. Morris in a tough spot over the next couple of months to earn that, just that practice squad back, And I think Wittemeyer is a guy that might be kind of like has etched his name above him on the depth chart. We'll see how that plays out over the next couple of months, but he's just a big bodied guy that moves pretty well. He moves better than I think his testing numbers indicate and, From that perspective, it's perfect fit for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, right? They love those guys that maybe like underwhelm on the, you know, the track field, but overwhelm on the football field. And that's what I saw today out of Wittemeyer. I'm excited to see him in a a more robust setting where he gets a little bit more reps. There wasn't a lot of activity in the first part of practice. It was 11 on 11 later the first team portion was 11 on nine, where they only rush the two um, defensive linemen. Like they'll do two plays with the left side and two plays with the right side. So it's almost like 11 on nine. So those plays, I tried to, I tried to take a little bit less uh, stock in those, in the observations. And uh, I think he might've had a target in in one of those reps, but overall I I was impressed with Wittemeyer, just what we saw for the day on the field uh, today. And also I'll mention um, a guy that you really like. OK, so it's really hard to talk about line play because there's no pads and there it's a very light there. They're just going through technique They're, You know, they're, there's really not a lot of pressure on the quarterback because they're not having those one on one matchups. But I thought that from everything that I saw, Alec Anderson really stood mm-hmm. out today. And he's a he's a UDFA that you've talked about already yeah. that I think has positioned himself, you know, Not only for, you know, probably a a, a very, very like high priority practice squad guy, but also potentially, listen, if if they want to move away from Cody Ford, as everybody was in my mentions uh, about last episode, Alec Anderson's a guy that you're going to want to, you know, keep your eyes on over the course of the summer.
1: Yeah. Listen, Alec Anderson had a, a draftable grade on a few of, of the uh, analyst boards. He was a priority free agent for a few others. So it, it's good to see he got off to a good start. I love what you said about uh, Jalen Um, because, you know, the, the Bills have d- definitely taken their chances on those freaky athletic players. But to your credit. They also trust the tape more than the testing. Look at Devin Singletary. Didn't test well at the Combine. They didn't hesitate to draft him. Um, you know, And he's not the only one, obviously. Um, there have been others where it's just like, well, you know, they didn't test that great. I, I go back, and he tested well overall. Uh, but when Gabriel Davis was in the draft and he was at the Combine, they showed him that episode of Embedded of Brandon Bean sitting there saying, man, I hope he runs a little bit slower um because he he knew he liked the guy he wanted to get him at a certain point in the draft and sure enough he didn't test off the charts at the combine he ran fine it just wasn't explosive and that allowed the bills to uh ultimately end up with him and and we see what davis has turned into so trust the tape over the over those athletic scores and the tests uh the bills have done that a few times and and it's obviously paid off pretty significantly in, in the example of gabriel davis
0: I didn't notice Tanner Owen today too much and, uh, you know, getting these numbers. I mean, I was, I was definitely, I had my eyes for the majority of the time, uh, locked on, you know, James Cook, Shakir, Elam, Benford, uh, couldn't take my eyes off of Elijah Griffin because he was just so good. Uh, so it was hard. Uh, you know, there was, I was looking at a lot of the the skill guys because that's where you can, I, I feel like that's the best assessment in a practice setting like this is to kind of see those one-on-ones and how that all uh, played out. So I didn't get a great look at Tanner Owen, but trust me, I'll keep my eye on him uh, and some of these other guys over the course of OTAs, which start, I believe, a week from Tuesday, which then we'll have a, pre- we'll have a recap from OTAs. Uh, Tuesday, 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 on the 24th, the 31st, and the 7th. I'm just guessing on that. Uh, that's historically when they've done them in the past. And then uh, we'll have two to three days of rookie minicamp. So I'm super excited about all that. Thank you so much for joining us on a Friday night. We don't usually do shows on the, in the offseason uh, on Friday nights. And, Rick, uh, that is a great observation. I did get <laughs> some sun today, and that's what I tell people all the time. If you see any pictures of me or videos and I got I got a bit of a sunburn, you're usually going to want to tune in to shout because that means we got an observation show coming at you. And I think that those, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like these observation shows have become kind of like, um, you know, the staple of this, of our shout franchise, where people can kind of get a real sense of what happened out at practice when you can't be there. And, you know, there's some video that comes out. I put some video out, but just to go a little bit deeper into it all.
1: To what you said absolutely these observation shows uh it kind of you know you kind of look behind the curtain so to speak get those extra little nuggets of information um although again your articles jam-packed full of them as well shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan Talbot. you ready showtime
0: But I wanted to hit on the schedule real quick before we get out of here and, you know, bring some of our big takeaways. We didn't have a show yesterday because I kind of wanted to pile it all in into today. And, you know, obviously you look at the schedule top to bottom, Ryan, there's there's definitely some things we can talk about. But I think we got to start with, man, is this a tough stretch to start the season? Mm. I mean, the Bills luckily go, I think it's six weeks and then they had that bye, And and we'll talk about that in in a minute. Uh, And and Torres, too, but I'm going to talk about Ken Dorsey. Don't. Don't worry, we will get that in before we leave. But I mean, th- that's my, my, the first thing I, I think of when I look at this schedule is, man, do you got a kind of a gauntlet here to get to maybe even four and three at the start? You know, four and three might be, you know, as good as this roster is. Is that something you can kind of sell to fans to be happy about if you get to that seven game point and they're sitting at four and three? I could see three losses in there because of the quality of opponents.
1: Yeah. Listen, th- this is, an insane start to the schedule. You know, obviously you get opening kickoff against the Super Bowl champions week two, you're going against the AFC's number one seed from a year ago in, in the Tennessee Titans, a Miami Dolphins team in week three that has playoff expectations after trading for Tyreek Hill. Uh, that's just the first three games. Then you have Baltimore, I believe, in week four off the top of my head, the Steelers, the Chiefs, a bye week and the Packers. That's a pretty crazy slate to start the year. And, and listen, you know, of those teams that I mentioned, some of them have phenomenal quarterbacks. Some of them have, you know, like a Mitchell Trubisky, for instance, in Pittsburgh. Obviously, someone that knows the Bills well from playing here last year. But even Pittsburgh, they have a pretty loaded defense still. So that's not a walk in the park. Uh, this is going to be a really tough stretch to start the year. The second half, obviously, it gets a little bit easier uh, but there's still some really good games on that side of the schedule as well.
0: What's funny is like you mentioned Mitchell Trubisky knowing the Bills. I don't know if that like benefits him as much as it might benefit the Bills. Like I feel mm-hmm. like Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier. You know, watching him in practice all last season going up, you know, as a scout team quarterback, getting getting the number one defense ready. I mean, they had great looks at Mitchell Trubisky in a way. I mean, I I think the Bills defense is probably better prepared than any defense to play against Trubisky. I know it happens in week five, but that's an interesting one. You know, I just think the Rams on opening night, followed by Tennessee, even though you got that 11 day break, you know, that's a tough start. Then you got the you know going on the road to Miami, which is going to be a massive game with with what they've done to their offense, adding Tyreek Hill. You know uh, what that could potentially look like. And they've had success against Tua, so I, I'm sure that there'll be confidence from the Bills. But if Miami comes out of the gate, they're scoring points in their first two weeks, that's going to be a massive game. And then the turnaround and hit the road again for Baltimore, like you mentioned, finish it off with the Chiefs before the bye. That, that's a lot to ask. From that start. So if you get to five and one, four and two, I think you feel really good about where you are going into the bye because, Ryan, we got a couple of tidbits here. Number one, I'll say it first Sean McDermott's Buffalo Bills in five seasons have not lost in the game after the bye. So you go through that six game stretch, you get a week off, then you have this massive home game against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You win that game and you're sitting there at five and two, six and one, and you're feeling really good about things as you kind of get into the middle. Uh, portion of your schedule
1: yeah uh, you know mcdermott's been outstanding post by i'm not surprised andy Reid, someone that he worked with for quite some time has always been really good after the buy as well but also the interesting thing about that game post by is the bills are hosting the packers as you mentioned bills mafia the packers have never defeated the bills in buffalo hasn't happened Think of the Brett Favre era. Think of the uh, Aaron Rodgers era. And mind you, they don't play each other a lot. And when they do it, it alternates between sites. But Rodgers had a chance. And that was the Bakari Rambo game quite a few Mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, I believe Favre had at least one chance, if not two, couldn't get it done. So uh, the Bills have always had the Packers number in Buffalo. They'll be interesting to see if that continues here this season.
0: So, James Cook was asked about the LA Rams game and opening against the defending Super Bowl champions and SoFi, where the Super Bowl just went down, how big of a stage that was going to be. And he's like, Yeah, it's big. Uh, and, and he was like, For me, not as big as playing my brother, uh, Minnesota Vikings on November 13th. So, that's the game that James Cook had circled uh, for his. Uh, uh, when the schedule came out and Cook versus Cook is going to be fun to watch. You know, Scott Moranto makes a really good point here on YouTube, getting those offenses early as they're trying to implement new weapons. You know, Miami with Tyreek Hill, uh, Traylon Burks uh, in uh, Robert Woods in if he's ready to go in Tennessee, uh, the Rams with Allen Robinson. I mean, there's a lot of new pieces that these teams are going to be putting into play. And, you know, the Bills, for the most part, they have a new play caller, and maybe we could talk about him right now, and Ken Dorsey, uh, how that's looked the first couple of weeks here. But that's a great point.
1: Yeah, that is a great point. You're right, because they're going to be trying to uh, smooth out the edges, so to speak, uh, with those players, with those relationships, get the chemistry down. You know, we, we've seen that at times, getting on the same page with your superstar players, so Maybe it is better to do it early in the year than later. You know, um, you talk about Tennessee. That's going to be game two uh, of the season. Um, A.J. Brown was such a big part of that offense. They're not going to have him. You mentioned Burks. Uh, You talk about Baltimore. They lost Hollywood Brown. They might be going with a lot of tight ends, but there's going to be some chemistry issues there. Maybe so. Maybe it will end up benefiting the Bills. But, yeah, Matt, to your point, let's talk a little bit about Ken Dorsey.
0: Yeah. Ken Dorsey, um, Sean McDermott was asked about him a little bit today. And he said this to all of his coaches, not just Ken, because he's a new first time offensive coordinator is like, let this be an opportunity for us to practice being a coach, like getting out there on the field and, you know, going through the the, the exercise of, you know, get going through the drills and getting the, you know, getting plays in and, and doing all those little things. And I thought Ken Dorsey looked exactly the same as he's looked the last three seasons. I mean, he, he really had a strong command of this offense before when the Bills promoted him to passing game coordinator, he took a larger role with the team, his relationship with Josh Allen. It kind of gives you that cachet in the room, right? Like as soon as Ken Dorsey starts talking, knowing the impact and influence that he's had on Josh, everybody kind of pulls up a seat and, 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 wants to hear what he has to say. And he's, he's a, he's not a man of many words, you know, in the media setting. Right. But on the field, he's an ultra competitive guy. Like I've actually been, you know, watched a few times when they've, when they got the headsets on and, you know, in years past going back and forth and he can get it dialed up pretty good. I think uh, also Khalil Shakir was asked about him today and just the, the attention to detail and getting in here and, and being a part of this offensive machine that's been so well run i think the the dynamic so interesting of chad hall who's been here the longest right that wide receiver uh you know voice and you know also his impact on the offense a new voice in joe brady we saw him out there today as well and then you have aaron cromer who's kind of the veteran coach of the group how they melt together and how they work together i'm going to be watching that closely this this summer and into the season
1: yeah, I look forward to that too. And listen, Ken Dorsey, yes, first time calling plays with the Bills as of the offensive coordinator. But yeah, I think it's a real benefit that he's been here for those seasons that you mentioned. Because even though he was working with Josh Allen, he knows all the other guys, the, the guys that have been here for a few years. He knows their skill sets, what their strengths are as receivers, how to utilize. Uh, Devin Singletary to the best of his advantage this that and the other so you know he's coming into this with with a lot of experience even though it maybe isn't as a play caller maybe it's not as an offensive coordinator Uh, I think the Bills are in really good hands with Ken Dorsey and then like you said these other coaches that they have on the offensive side of the ball who have already proven their worth uh, over the course of their respective careers.
0: That ending stretch, like I have that Cincinnati Bengals game circled as potentially an important one in the AFC. I We talked about it last episode. I'm higher than, on Cincinnati than I think some people are. I think people are are guarding against that being, uh, you know, maybe them playing a little bit better than they are last season. I don't think that to be the case. I think Joe Burrow is a really good young quarterback, and I think they've done things to put more talent around him. So I'm expecting him to be better. So I have that game circled, but the the Thanksgiving pocket of the schedule is super interesting. Number one, Jeremy White had a great tweet on this uh, the other day and he he wrote, I think the 1230 Thanksgiving window might be the toughest one to navigate around. If you eat after, that means there's a lot of prep action, guests arriving during the game. So 4 p.m. You can move the meal up. 8 p.m. is pretty much after the holiday. So that's something interesting to think about, Ryan, is my, my wife was actually just talking to me today about potentially moving our Thanksgiving uh, to Friday. Um, and I said, you know, that might not be a bad idea because people are going to be so focused on the game for the hour or two before it starts and then coming down afterwards, whatever the high is or whatever your procedure <laughs> is to get things kind of dialed up in the morning to get everything ready or, you know, speed things up and dial it up afterwards for dinner. It's going to be a tight squeeze for people on Thanksgiving.
1: It is. Absolutely. That's why I suggested Thanksgiving breakfast instead of the the major dinner, turkey sausage, stuffed French toast. Uh, You can have the bottomless mimosas. Live it up, Bill's Mafia. Have that big breakfast. Be ready for the game. Turkey's a little bit overrated on Thanksgiving. Turkey and Easter meals, overrated. Order.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you all had to deal with that for a second. I'm here for you. And there's nothing overrated about turkey enjoy your turkey on thanksgiving you've earned it you've been good all year long you're you're being thankful on thanksgiving so you crush that turkey don't listen to ryan talbot when it comes to the turkey okay
1: well you know in terms of my in terms of meat like (laughs) ham is the most depressing turkey it's it's
0: fine it's okay so what do you want ryan what do you what do you want on thanksgiving in ryan's perfect world what do you want
1: pizza and wings. And I'm not even joking. I, I would love
0: that. Let's get out. That's listen. I'm a pizza and wings guy. I love pizza and wings. Okay. I can have pizza and wings 360 days of the year, but not on Thanksgiving, Ryan, have a Ryan have, have a little bit of respect for tradition. Okay. Grab a bird, cook it up, grab some cranberry sauce, maybe a little, maybe a little sweet potato. And have yourself a Thanksgiving. Listen, if you're coming to Detroit, okay, and you even mention pizza in Michigan one time, I'm sending you home. I'm sending you home. You're the weakest link there. They are known for their pizza, Matt. Get out. Detroit Get out. pizza. Detroit the is brought. No, their pizza.
1: <laughs> Look it up. Look it up, man. I guarantee you, if you say, um, what food is Detroit known for, I bet pizza is on that list. They are known for it. We're going um, to get a hot slice of Detroit pizza. You can sprinkle some turkey on that, bad boy. We're going to live it up.
0: So the thing is, though, we won't be able to do that because everything's going to be closed on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so there it is. There you have it.
1: I do Go agree ahead. with Young King about the sweet potato pie and the sweet potato casserole, all that stuff. Terrific. Fantastic. I do agree there.
0: So if Deshaun Watson is back... Or if he's never suspended at all, I mean, there are reports out that he may, uh, his suspension, whatever it may be, if his court uh, proceedings drag out, he may not get suspended in 2022 at all. Cause the NFL historically doesn't like to act before there's some type of court ruling or, uh, something like that to happen in in the legal, uh, part of the process that plays out. So if he's there when the Bills play them on November 20th, then you're talking about going from at home against Cleveland, in the heels of the Minnesota game to Detroit on four days notice. I think the Lions are going to be a lot better. And then you got to sit there and turn around and go play new England on Thursday night football a week later. That has a, that's a bit of a janky portion of the schedule, Ryan. I think, I think that could be something Sean McDermott's going to have to pay attention to and navigate. You know how they love their routine. There's not a lot of routine on this schedule because of how many primetime games, Christmas Eve, Thanksgiving, all of this kind of stuff that, you know, unfortunately for the Bills, or fortunately, depending on how you look for it at it, you know, this is the cost of being a really, really good team. And Sean McDermott said he was happy for Bills fans today to be able to experience that and the highs of all of these big time games and moments. But, you know, there's a price to pay on the other end of it, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that stretch Uh, Deshaun Watson. uh, I did look to see where the Browns were on the schedule, because if he is potentially suspended uh, early in the game, then early in the season, I thought the Bills could maybe avoid him and and have a little bit easier of a a matchup. But no, they, they put that game toward the end of the year. That is a blockbuster matchup. And then you mentioned that stretch. You, you have a Thanksgiving game in Detroit, a Thursday night football game uh, against the Patriots. And I want to say two weeks later, you have that game against the Dolphins that could get flexed as well. So th- this team could be moving around quite a bit. They already know they have quite a few primetime games. But there's even a few games later on in the season that have the old TBD next to them. And the Bills could be playing in front of a national audience
0: a few more times. Uh, Nick G's asking, are you guys both coming to, uh, St. John Fisher to cover minicamp? We are. And listen, I'm petitioning now. And I think the shout, uh, faithful will, will back me up here. I'd like to see a little bit more of Ryan Talbot out at training camp this year and maybe a night or two over at the dorms. Don't call me crazy. Call me crazy. But I think, I think we might be able to work that out. Is, is summer school over by the beginning of August. Do you think we can work that out?
1: Uh, I'll still be in there, but if we can work it out around the weekend, uh, I, I think I can make that work. Absolutely.
0: All right. There you go. There you have it. We're, we're just getting after it. All right. Give me your most anticipated game and your most block game on the schedule. <laughs> we'll wrap up there.
1: Oh boy. Most anticipated game. I'm looking forward to another matchup against the chiefs. I did see Torres in here saying they had the receipts for me last year saying I picked the chiefs in the uh, regular season. And I think I, yeah, I did. I, I wanted to see the bills Prove that they could actually win that game. So I'm looking forward to that. The Bills trying to get a little bit of revenge. Obviously, a regular season game isn't the same as defeating the team that defeated you in the playoffs, but that's my most anticipated game right before the bye. Blah. Y- you know, you could say the Jets games. Uh, but I- I'm going to go Christmas Eve against the Bears. One, it- it's mm. Christmas Eve. You know, as much as I love football as the NFL, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I get it fell on, you know, this time of year this year. But that's just kind of a a blah for me because of the time of year just in general and the fact that I don't have a lot of faith in the Bears being a good team.
0: So I, you know, obviously it's easy one. I already talked about, I think that Cincinnati, Cincinnati game is going to be massive. Uh, Allen versus Burrow potentially. I mean, who knows? Like that could be maybe a deciding factor in the MVP race. If those two teams have the kind of season that they potentially could have, but I'm going to go kind of cliche and I'm going to go with the Rams because I'm super excited about it. I've I've started to look into like booking where I'm going to stay. I'm looking at maybe Santa Monica staying in Inglewood itself, or, you know, uh, the scope of that game and not being at the Super Bowl last year. Um, I was kind of toying with the idea and we just kind of finished the run and I was super uh, exhausted. It's going to be cool to get out to SoFi stadium, see the operation and be there in the building when they raise the banner on the same day that Von Miller makes his return. There is so many baked in storylines. I mean, listen, one that we haven't even talked about. I mentioned this on danger in particular this week. It's we're going to be be able to reset the Jalen Ramsey versus Josh Allen storyline from four years ago. I mean, can you imagine, like dial it back and ask Jalen Ramsey, could you have ever imagined the yeah. ascension when you called this man absolute trash in a GQ article? I mean, it's really uh, unprecedented, and maybe it got him to think twice about how he evaluates, or maybe that he shouldn't be evaluating players. Listen, that's, that's just a true thing. Even players that play the game, like you mentioned last episode, you know, David Carr, I mean, he struggles when he's evaluating quarterbacks and teams. And, you no, know, he keeps picking the Raiders. I get it. He's your brother. But
1: No, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that, too. You're right. Ramsey's a very under—it's uh, underrated storyline because of the, the past, the history there. Uh, so if the Bills do have some media uh, access, you know, they, they can talk to him a little bit pregame. It would be interesting to see his opinions then versus now based on uh, Allen's ascension in general.
0: My most blah game. I actually had Chicago in the running for one of my most anticipated games, actually, because I think that there's a little juice on on December 24th, like that on a Saturday on uh, December. Everybody's going to be off. That's probably going to be the national game on CBS. Um, so, I, and in Chicago, I I, I like Chicago. It's going to be a little bit. The weather could play in the uh, situation a little bit. For me, the most blah game. I don't think there's a blah game on this schedule. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Maybe it is. For me, at New England, for a couple reasons. Number one, if you've done the trip trip to Foxborough, like no offense if you live in Massachusetts, it stinks. Okay, <laughs> like just going to the stadium and it's the Patriots, and listen, it's just it's it's as blah as blah can be. Okay, we get it. You know, it's the six Super Bowls, all that kind of stuff. Um, also, I don't know, like. All of those December games at Gillette over the years have really just built a crust for me that really makes it a chore. Okay. And so for me, if we could just, if the Bills and the Patriots were lo- no longer in the same division, and that took out a yearly trip to Foxborough, I'm fine with it. And don't, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. Love Boston. Nice city. Been there a couple times with the family. Out on foxborough and that's fair And isn't
1: weird though how the nfl like sticks with those types of games where uh december 1st this year uh, you're going to be going to foxborough to see that game it all it seems like the last three years well it has been the last three years the bills have gone to miami in the first month of the year it's just like some of these games get recycled um the jets aren't as late in the year as they usually are but they're still december 11th so uh, division games yes they get built in a certain way but it feels like they, they don't switch it up very often in terms of when you go on the road versus uh, when you're at home against these teams.
0: All right, we're going to get out of here on a Friday night. i got to figure out where my kids are, where my family is. <laughs> get ready for a big twin bill tomorrow. Uh, hopefully it doesn't rain too much. The Micah Hyde charity softball event goes down on Sunday. I may pop out over there uh, depending on the weather and another baseball game uh, that I have to coach. But definitely, there's still tickets available. I talked to a Bills fan today. Uh, That is actually flying in to go to it. Oh, we got a super chat. We got got it at the buzzer. We got a super chat here from Axon Jackson 222 New England at Minnesota. Maybe the weirdest Thanksgiving game ever. Who will be watching that game? Well, I think people will be watching just in the sense that it's in a kind of a good time slot. That's the middle game, right?
1: No, that's the night game. I believe um, Cowboys okay. Giants are the afternoon. Yeah, game, and that's I a good game. Correctly. That's
0: a that, that's a uh, divisional game. So yeah, that is kind of a weird game, especially. First of all, most football fans are going to be watching all three games on Thanksgiving. That's just kind of what you do, right? But I kind of get a I kind of get the comment a little bit here because if New England is the doormat of the AFC East, which I'm proje- projecting, mm-hmm. by the way, if they're if they're literally you know out of the playoff race in Minnesota, I mean. Where are they going? And, you know, uh, obviously the Dalvin Cook, James Cook uh, storyline is fun. But I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, and who knows? You know, maybe if they get things together, they have Justin Jefferson. Uh, if that defense gets going. Harrison Phillips is out there now. You know, they have some players. Uh, a couple of people are mentioning fantasy owners as well. It could be a decent game. But, yeah, I get the point. There's not a lot of razzle-dazzle on Thanksgiving to New England, Minnesota for me, especially if, you know, Mac Jones struggles next season and the Patriots aren't in the playoff conversation.
1: Yeah, it's, it is a weird choice, a, a little, a little bit bizarre and not necessarily something that uh, leaps off the page, but you can make a case that all three games this year, obviously the bills with, with Josh Allen, that's a superstar national, you know, media uh, attention. So that game will be good there. You mentioned the divisional game, the Cowboys are, always draw ratings on Thanksgiving, but this, this nightcap, it, it is a little bit odd. The Kirk cousins, Mac Jones bowl doesn't uh, uh, appeal to maybe the, the casual fan, but like you said, diehards are going to be watching um, some fans that overate Turkey can maybe take a little snooze at, at night and, and catch the second half of that game as well.
0: Thank you so much for the super chat. That's super awesome. Um, uh, Axon Jackson, two, two, two. I always get kind of a, uh, a little bit of a buzz off of that when people do the super chat, <laughs> we don't actually really promote it too much because I, I don't know. I always get the sense like it, it if, if you're promoting it, it's coming off like, Oh, you know, pay money to have comments. We like to get people in here no matter what, but I do get it. Like you, you immediately like in the comment section here on the side, I see it immediately. It pops up. And I'm always grateful to people that are trying to support the show. Um, It's always available. Maybe I should mention it more. I, but I, I, I don't know. I always feel like it's, it's a little bit funny. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and and again, very you know appreciative of that for sure. But uh, we we try to get everyone involved here on shout for sure.
0: All right, that's going to do it on a Friday night. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to both episodes this week. Make sure you like this episode. Go subscribe on all the platforms, YouTube, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, We're really uh, putting a push behind our Spotify uh, playback as well. Uh, So give us a subscription over there. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We'll have Brother Bill on the show. We're going to have Mr. Michael, the contest winner, uh, it's going to be their show. Uh, I want to get to know Brother Bill a little bit more, kind of get a, a an idea of his rise to fame in the Bills Mafia world. That'll be fun. Uh, fun conversation And Then Mr. Michael can kind of just take over the show. He's going to be one of the hosts and anything anything he wants goes, he earned that uh, by winning the contest. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. See you next Wednesday. Enjoy your weekend. I hope it's a sunny one. Take care, everybody.
1: Shell, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by I'm Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.